Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the heart of man. Man is basically evil and he has a potential for good. But today people are saying that man is virtually good. No, he isn't. Man is made holy and set apart for God by virtue of what God has done in Christ in the forgiving of our sins. Man is not holy in himself. Man is to live a life of holiness to God through the work of the Spirit of God. No other way. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Why does a baby cry when he or she doesn't get her way? Why do toddlers have a tough time sharing their toys? It's the very same reason why so many grown-ups are making such detrimental decisions. It's called sin nature. Well, today, Pastor Xavier offers a solution to this problem from his study of Deuteronomy chapter 7. In today's message, Instruments of Judgment. Let's listen. Moses has been telling the children of Israel how they are going to possess the land, how they are to have courage and not be afraid of those in the land lest they repeat the very same mistake that their fathers did. Moses proclaims to them how they are to be God's instrument of judgment. And it reveals three things. First, we have the proclamation of judgment in verses 1 through 3, as well as verse 5. Notice Moses here proclaims that God would use them as his instrument of judgment for those in the land. In verse 1, we have the seven nations to be judged. God enumerates them. Now we have in Genesis 10, here we have seven. We don't know if the other three were absolved already, absorbed into other cultures or destroyed. But here we have seven that are mentioned, and it's confirmed in the book of Joshua. Notice also in verse 2 and 3, the conditions of their judgment. First, they would be delivered over to them by God. That's very important. God is constantly telling them that they don't have to worry about the wall cities and the giants, right? Because God says, you know, I'm going to deliver them to you. As a matter of fact, in verse 1, he finished by saying these seven nations were greater and mightier than you. Not to discourage them, but to remind them that it was God who was going to do it. See, it's so easy for us to get puffed up. We get a little victory here and there, and we say, well, yeah, I did pretty good. You know, I mean, God helped me along, but I mean, I did good. And we, we forget that we can't do anything apart from God. But notice also they were to conquer them and utterly destroy them there in verse 2. And the reference, you shall conquer them, was to trust in God again. The inhabitants of the land were so vile and depraved that they would contaminate the people of God. So he says, you utterly destroy them. Now that doesn't sound very compassionate and very merciful. And that doesn't sound like the God of love. That's why I think the God of the Old Testament was a God of wrath, people say. No, 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 he's a God of love. If you've got a dog that's foaming at the mouth and you know he's a... He's got rabies. You'd kill that dog, right? Because whoever he bites, they're going to die. This is how vile the people were of the land. As I look to our nation, I shudder to think how vile we have become. Now notice, secondly, he gives us the reason they were to obey the proclamation of judgment in verses 4 and 6. In verse 4, he gives us the first reason. The people of the land would contaminate them, and we've kind of implied that already. For they would turn your sons away from following me and serve other gods. 
so that the anger of the Lord will rouse up against them and destroy them suddenly. You see, they would turn their sons and daughters from following God, and that's the whole thing. This world is there to pull you away from God. The attraction of the world is powerful, is it not? It is powerful. The attraction of the world is based on emotions and the physical appeal, is it not? Want to get you moving, get you excited. On whatever level, the attraction of the world is due to permissiveness. See, the world attracts you by saying you can do anything you want, go anywhere you want, be anything you want. Anything. Ooh. It's a great attraction. The attraction of the world robs a person of faithfulness and loyalty to God. There's a disloyalty. There's an unfaithfulness that goes on. For God created us for His pleasure. To worship Him. But notice also they would cause them to serve other gods. See, their service is unto sin always. If you're not serving God, you're serving sin. There's no other possibility. Their service produced or resulted in bondage. See, once you practice sin and you're living for sin, then you're in bondage. You have to do those things. You're locked in. You can do nothing else. You can't say no. You not only have the pressure from within your sin nature, but you have the pressure from without the people you hang out with. And their service produced what? Destruction. The world's always constantly pulling, right? I've got to do what? John 15, I've got to abide. I've got to put on the whole armor of God. I've got to fight. I've got to remain dependent on God. I've got to stay. I can't say I'm walking in light and then I'm walking in darkness. I deceive myself and don't have the truth in me, First John says. A lot of people are deceiving themselves today thinking they're Christian and, and they're not Christian. They may be going to church. They may carry a Bible. They may even have all the language down. But they're not living for God. They're cheating on their income tax. They're doing everything else everybody else is doing. And there's basically no difference between them and the people in the world. But they're deceiving themselves, see, because they go to church. They know the pastor. They help in the church. What deception. Notice the second reason in verse 6. The people of God were different. That's the second reason why they were to obey the proclamation of judgment. They were a holy people to the Lord their God, first of all. Man is a sinner and unholy in and of himself. Man is made holy and set apart for God by virtue of what God has done in Christ in the forgiving of our sins. Man is not holy in himself. Man is to live a life of holiness to God through the work of the Spirit of God. No other way. Man is basically evil and he has a potential for good. But today people are saying that man is virtually good. He's innately good. No, he isn't. I mean, all you have to do is just look around. If we're so good, why are we so bad off? Incredible. But notice also they were a chosen people for himself. From the foundation of the world, from the bondage of Egypt, and from servants of sin to servants of God. Now, do you have a problem that God chose you? I don't have any problem that God chose me. <laughs> I'm kind of glad. And I know that I wouldn't have chose me. People say, well, why did God choose you? I, I, don't, I don't know. I can give you more reasons for God not choosing me than for God choosing me. But remember, God doesn't make mistakes, right? So who am I to argue with God? Yeah, I'm kind of glad. I mean, you remember choosing teams? You're going to play ball? 
And you flip, and okay, it's your choice, and you're choosing? Now, we like the power of choice, right? I choose him, okay. Now, if somebody says, oh, I choose him, you go, oh, no, 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 you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't choose him. Well, that, that's not free choice, right? Now, we like the free choice, but then when God makes a choice, we get mad at him. Oh, wait a minute, God, you can't do that. And remember, my choices are always self-centered. My choices are always selfish. His choices are not. So I'm kind of glad he chose me. I don't have any problem with it. And notice also that they were a special treasure above all the people of the face of the earth. We read this in Exodus 19.5 also. For what? A treasure above all people? First, by God's doing. We already established man is not good. Secondly, for God's good pleasure. And thirdly, to bless others. We're a treasure to bless others. We are here as a light and salt to the earth. We're not here for ourselves. We're here for the will of God. We're here for the benefit of the lost. Remember, you and I were lost at one time. And there were others. Some of you had mothers and grandmothers who were praying for you. They were an example for you. Friends that cared enough to go preach to you, to minister to you, to hold you in prayer. You see? A treasure does not enrich itself. A treasure enriches others. You see? Jeremiah was sent to proclaim God's judgment, to warn the godly to separate themselves from the ungodly, as well as the ungodly to repent by the message. But the interesting thing is when God sent Jeremiah, he told Jeremiah, now don't be afraid when, when you see their faces. Don't be confounded. Lest I confound you. I made you an iron pillar or a brazen wall. And then he says, now go and tell them, even though they're not going to hear you. How tragic that is. Why should you go tell them? Because now they're accountable. You see? We proclaim because people are accountable. People need to hear what God's going to be doing. And so they are responsible for the message. Without the message of God, people don't know. God has chosen this medium. The world around us is constantly bombarding us to not live for God. Everything that you see around you, TV, everything, their belief in God, the Christian, is a target of mockery. You believe in God? Their commitment to sexual purity is ridiculed and pressured and compromised at every point. And so the Christian has a lot of pressure today. Turn on the TV. Everything is just so broken down. It's incredible. They reinforce it. The billboards you see. It's incredible. The proclamation of creation versus evolution is thought to be unintelligent. The belief in absolute right and wrong in the inerrancy of the scriptures and accountability to God's judgment and that God will not tolerate sin is something that's scoffed at. You believe that this is God's word. Men wrote it, huh? You believe there's no error in it. Yes. You believe that God is going to judge the world, every person. Yes. You believe in absolute right and wrong at all times. Yes. They think you're a fruitcake. They think you're living back in the Stone Age. But I've only got one thing to ask you. Look at their lives and look at yours. Let's see who's living. Who's got the families together? Who's got the love going in the family? Who's enjoying life? 
Who sleeps good? You know, God declares that believers are to be different from the world. Absolutely. Holy by virtue of the work of Christ, because he was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We were chosen before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, 4 says. You see, God didn't choose me in the 1973. God chose me from the foundation of the world. That's incredible. I don't understand that. But neither do I understand electricity. But I take advantage of the light. I just turn on the switch. I don't ever work. Well, I wonder if it's going to work. Does it come in or out or does it go around? I could care less. I just flick the light on and take advantage of it. A peculiar treasure of God, Titus 2.14, 1 Peter 2.9. You and I, a peculiar treasure to him. Peculiar means his possession. doesn't mean weird. Some Christians think the weirder they are, the more spiritual they are. No. <laughs> and there are some weird Christians, let me tell you. A son and a daughter of God opposed to a son and a daughter of Satan, 1 John 3.10 says. We used to be sons of Satan, daughters of Satan. According to the prince of the power of the air, we followed him. We did our thing, children of disobedience, children of wrath by nature. But now we're not. An instrument of God's good works, Ephesians 2.10, his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which were created before the foundation of the world that I might walk in them. You know, you think of your life of what you did and what you were all about before Christ, and sometimes you, what a waste of time, huh? Energy? If you were to put all that energy in the Lord? But again, God knows when he saved us. Some people say, well, I wish I would have got saved when I was 15. Doesn't that? But hey, you got saved right on time. God didn't make no mistakes. Don't live looking back. Just go forward. God will take care of it. God will honor it. But notice thirdly, he gives us the reason why God chose them for his judgment in verses 7 through 11. In verse 7, he says, The thought of a person's worth or merit was not the consideration. Listen to him. He says, The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than the other people, for you were the least of people. See, when God starts doing a work in my life, I automatically start thinking, well, God did it because he knew that I was going to be faithful and he knew what a great guy I was and he knew I was the only one to really be committed. You know, no. That's not why he chose me. Let me tell you, there was nothing in you or in I of worth. Nothing. That's why I tell you that God does all his fishing in the sewer. But he always cleans his fish. Now, you want to argue with me whether you're a bottom dweller, top dweller, surface dweller? Who cares? Whether you were swimming in the pool of morality and self-righteousness or in the gutter. Jesus always cleans his fish. And whatever God has cleansed, no man can say it's unclean. Remember he told that to Peter? Don't you ever call anything that I have cleansed common or unclean. I like that. The woman of adultery says, go and sin no more. Where are your accusers? None, Lord. Neither do I accuse you. New creation. Are you a new creation? I am. I'm sure glad you know Xavier now than before. 
I wouldn't want you to know Xavier before. He really wasn't worth much. But now, through the grace of God, there might be something in there that might be able to help people out. But not before. Why did he choose them? The Lord loved them. We can't handle that, can't we? Wait, 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 no, there must be something. No, 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 he just loved you. You're worth absolutely nothing. He just chose to love you. We can't handle that kind of statement, can we? No, 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 wait, there must be something. I mean, you know, no, there's nothing. And the more you dig, the less you'll find. And so he says the Lord also would keep his covenant, his oath to the fathers, which began in the deliverance of Egypt. That was the first manifestation. You see, God can't lie. He's faithful to his oath. He did it with a mighty hand. He did it with redemption from the slavery. And then in verse 9 it says, the Lord is faithful. Interesting here, he says, he's God. No wonder he can be faithful. <laughs> Secondly, he says, he's reliable to his covenant. Why? Because he can't lie. And he is merciful to a thousand generations who love him and keep his commandments. Notice he's reciprocal here. Okay? If we truly have heard the judgment coming and we repent, then God's mercy is upon us, right? If our children continue in that, uh, in that promise, then God will be merciful to them. But if our children do not follow God, they go back in the world, what happens? Is God's mercy on them? No, God's wrath is on them. God has no grandchildren, only children. And each person has to make that decision. But notice also there in verse 10, as well as 11, the judgment of God was the consideration. This is why he chose them as their instrument of judgment. The judgment of God was the consideration. In verse 10, notice it says, God repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He chose them because God had proclaimed judgment. They had crossed that line of judgment, and now judgment was coming. They were his instrument. But now not to proclaim, but to be the instrument of judgment to destruction. Notice, to their face. Every person will have to stand before the judgment of God. Every person will look into God's face, and every person will know exactly what's gone on. None will escape. God will not be slack with those who hate him. He will repay him to his face again. In other words, a lot of people think that God is, you know, he's not coming. Remember, Peter says, people have said, well, all things have continued as they were from the beginning. Where's the promise of his coming? Well, hang on, be patient. You see, he doesn't run in our clock time. He, he learns an eternal time uh, frame. A thousand, day, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. So he's been gone 2,000 years. So if he comes back today, uh, you know, and we say, Lord, what's taking you 2,000? I say, well, I've been only gone a couple of days. <laughs> what's your problem? What's your point? But notice also thirdly in verse 11 that God will hold people responsible for his word. He warns them from the judgment they're proclaiming and going to be used for. He says, now you be careful. Oh, we have to be careful as God uses us, that we don't fall prey to the very same thing we're proclaiming. What a warning. Now, Paul had the right idea when he said that he was a chief of sinners and that God had counted him worthy to be put into the ministry. Paul understood that he 
had no qualifications, and yet Paul was taught in Greek and in Hebrew, and I mean, a, a Jew of Jews, a Benjamin, tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a zealous in the law, blameless, uh, beyond his contemporaries, and yet he says, I count all these things but a pile of manure. How interesting. And Paul says, man, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle, but I know that I'm, I've been made worthy or accountable or able to by what God has done in me. See, that's proper perspective. The thought that God chose me due to something in me or some worth of my own is the greatest deception of man. I mean, incredible. If I could do something for God and if he could get a headache, that's exactly what I'd do, give him a headache. I couldn't do anything for him. Man has fallen. The entire world is guilty before God, Romans 3.19 says. The whole world. Man's heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17.9. Man is an enemy of God, Romans 8.7. And the fact that God has chosen us, any of us, is due to God's own choosing. His love for mankind is proclaimed throughout the scriptures. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why he chose me? Because he loves us. Why? Because he chose to love us. You see, we can't handle that. We've got to look around and say, well, there must be a reason. No, there is no reason. He loves us. He chose to love. His sovereignty is uncomprehendable, yet absolutely just. His faithfulness to his word makes him very reliable because Numbers 23, 19 says, God's not a man that he shall lie, nor the son of man that shall repent. Has, she, has he not said it? Will he not perform it? Yes, he will. He's reliable. He cannot make a mistake. He cannot lie. And the proclamation of God's word to the world is a proclamation of judgment. Do you understand that? It's a proclamation of judgment. As he proclaims his love, he says you can be forgiven in the judgment of your sins. Falls on my son. But if you reject it, the judgment falls upon you. Ooh, what a choice. Judgment of everyone who rejects God in his word. John 3.36 says, He who has the son has life. He who has not the son has not life. And the wrath of God abides in him. What an awesome scripture. Judgment of every word and deed that has ever been committed. Matthew 12, 36. Every idle word. Now we'll escape it. Some of the vicious things that people have done through their lifetime. Can you imagine giving an account for all your life? Whew. No, thank you. Judgment is according to light one possesses. Luke 12, 48. To those who much is given... Much is required. How much do you have of God's light? Then God will judge you and myself according to the light I possess. Hmm. And so Moses has proclaimed to Israel how they were to be the instruments of judgment. And it reveals these three things. The proclamation of judgment has been given to us as God's representatives. We proclaim God is coming. There's repentance available now. The reason why we are to believe and obey the proclamation of judgment is what we will be held accountable for. I cannot keep quiet. I'm a light. I'm salt. And the reason why God chose us for the proclamation of his judgment is that all will see God face to face. And God will repay every person 
and every one of us will get exactly what we have coming. Aren't you glad you're in Christ? <laughs> we will lose reward, but we'll be saved even as by fire, won't we? Thank God. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the grace extended to those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you can request a copy of today's thought-provoking study called Instruments of Judgment. Of course, it's available on CD for just $4. And this will also cover what Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together. Now, the title to ask for once again is Instruments of Judgment. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. What's the essence of faith? Find the answer when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 